Hey there, it's Abigail, and I'm coming to you with some really exciting news. Savannah and I have started a virtual book club, and we would absolutely love to have you join us. You may be familiar with the first chapter deep dive analysis episodes of the Harry Potter series that Savannah and I have done for seven special episodes on Lit Match and also on her podcast, Fiction Writing Made Easy. We had so much fun and got so much out of these episodes that we thought, why not take it one step further and create a virtual book club? It's called Book Notes, and the idea behind it is simple. We all read the same book, and then we meet online for two hours to engage in a craft-based discussion that shares our learnings and explores discussion topics to improve our own writing. If this sounds like we're deconstructing and nerding out over our favorite stories to see how and why they work, it's because we are. We'd want nothing more than for you to join us in these fun, engaging, insightful, informative, supportive, and explorative conversations. The first official meeting of the book club is coming up quick. It's on November 17th, 2022. And the book that we're going to deconstruct is none other than Colleen Hoover's ugly love. If this sounds exciting to you and you'd like to join us, go ahead and check out our official virtual book club page at www.savannagilbo.com slash book club. On this page, you can learn the full details about what to expect in this book club and what's included, as well as the next steps that you need to take in order to join it. We hope to see you there and happy writing and reading. I know it can be tempting to try to use these mega sellers, but the reality is that when a book has no longer become a book like Harry Potter and has moved into franchise content, that does not give anyone you're trying to sell your book to a realistic perspective or tool that they can use to help them anticipate what your sales are going to be. From the bottom of my heart, I hope that you sell that many books. Every writer wants to sell as many books as they can because that means that they are reaching more readers. One of the great purposes of writing your book is to reach more and more readers, but we have to ground ourselves and we have to be realistic. And we want to look for those titles that have sold well, but not the titles. that are such phenomenons that it's just unrealistic anticipated sales for our manuscript. Hey there, welcome back to Lit Match, a podcast made to help writers find the best literary agent and business partner for their writing career, and also to help you improve your writing craft to make your manuscript the best possible draft it can be when you pitch to an agent. I'm Abigail K. Perry, a book coach and certified developmental editor who is passionate about helping you learn how to master the writing craft and navigate your way through the publishing business. To do all of this, we have to learn how to blend business with passion, which is why today's episode is focused on more of a publishing aspect of the writing journey and vital when it comes to pitching your book. What I'd like to help you learn today is something that has been covered on the podcast in bits and pieces throughout literary agent interviews, as well as some things that maybe I've talked about during first chapter deep dive analysis. That focus topic is comparable titles and how to find and understand if your comparable title is going to catch an agent's attention when you pitch your book. There are several great resources on the internet that I encourage you to research and read. And much of this has helped me understand what makes a good comparable title when I am doing my research for either my own books or for client books, 
or when I was an editorial intern and I was looking for comparable titles for books that were queried or books that were about to go to market. I'd like to share what those resources are because a lot of the content that I've covered in today's episode has been pulled from these well-informed individuals who have either written articles about it or who have spoken to me personally about comparable titles and how they work. You'll find all of these resources, which I encourage you to go research, in the show notes, so be sure to check them out when you're done listening. As I mentioned, the first of these resources that I'm going to use is my personal experience. As an editorial intern, I did do a lot of comparable title or comps, which is also a commonly known term for comparable titles as part of my role. In a standard query letter, we're looking for ideally two comps or at the very least one comp that works well for pitching your book and giving the queried agent a strong idea on where your manuscript would land on a bookshelf. There are various tools to learn how to do this and much of that I will cover in this podcast episode. I'd also like to pull your attention to two wonderful articles that are not written by me and one article that is written by me that you can also read in order to capture all the key points of this episode. The first of these is written by Andrea Prochopin on the Penguin Random House website, and it is titled Comp Titles, an Elevator Pitch for Your Book. I'm not sure if Andrea still works there or not, but Andrea is part of the Digital Publishing Development Group. I learned a lot from this article, and I definitely encourage you to go check it out, which again, I will link in the show notes. The second article that I think is really valuable for writers is written by Star Worderman and the two writers of these articles. I'm sorry if I butchered your last names. I hope that I did not. Star Worderman, she wrote an article called How to Find Compelling Comps for Your Book on Jane Friedman's site. So if you are in publishing, of course, Jane Friedman is the publishing expert. So definitely always go check out anything Jane Friedman or that's published on Jane Friedman's site. But this is a particularly interesting article because through it, Star shares all of the insightful tips that Star picked up when writing this article and delivers all that in bullet points that you can easily digest in this article. The third article is written by me. It is published on Gabriela Pereira's site, DIY MFA, and it is called The Must Knows When Picking Comparable Titles. I will cover those must knows in this podcast episode, especially at the end when I talk about four key ways to identify if you have picked a strong comparable title for your work. With all that in mind, let's get into the meat of this episode where we're going to talk about what comparable titles are, why they are valuable, how you can find them, and how to assess if they are a strong comparable title for your manuscript. The first topic on hand is some of you writers out there might be asking, what the heck is a comparable title? If you are asking that, there is no judgment here. This is something that all writers are going to come across that they want to traditionally publish their book or publish their book in general. All writers will come across this term at some time. They're also called comps. And the reason for this is because a comparable title is a book that in some aspect or way is similar to yours. And how you can start to identify if it's similar to yours is either by looking at the sales and seeing if it's something that you think is going to be comparable in your genre within the sales you anticipate selling that many books or it is similar to some sort of aspect in the book, which can vary from important qualities of a book like the tone or the character voice, or maybe it's dual POV, or there's a certain style that you feel that your work is similar to. All of the aspects that I just mentioned, with the exception of the POV, are very specific. I do like to emphasize that if you do pitch an author who is known for their voice, their tone, or their style, and your manuscript does not measure up, that's actually going to do 
a disservice to your pitching to make sure that you can defend that they are equal in quality or similarity to the tone and the voice and style, things like that. Other aspects that you might look at for something of a book, just think about it. Are there similar settings or are there certain messages or points of a book that you think that are going to be representative in a comparable title that are also apparent and strong in your story? With all of this, keep in mind that comparable titles aren't exactly like your book. We're not writing photocopies of a comparable title because if you are writing an exact replica of a manuscript, then why are you writing that book? That book already exists on the shelf. However, they are similar to your book. It's that we're always writing the same but different type of story, right? For instance, going back to more of these aspects, you might be looking to make a connection with your story. And the agent mentioned one of the examples that I give in my article on DIY MFA is where I say, take, for example, if you are describing something as smart fiction that involves a startup business in today's society. A good comp for that might be Dory Schaefer's startup, a novel. And I know that was one that I came across when I was doing my editorial internship and we ended up using that as a comp. Going in the nonfiction side of things, you might want a comparable title that explores female entrepreneurs and the gender gap in business. And for that, my editorial internship, one of the titles that I suggested was Sophia Amoruso's hashtag girl boss, which could have been used for a comp and it, which might've been used for a comp for Susan Althoff's amazing book, Launching Wild Female. Little side note, if you haven't read Launching Wild Female, that book actually changed my life in many great ways and helped me understand so much about myself and what I was trying to do in writing. So Sidebar note, maybe something that you'd want to look at if those aspects interest you. Other things that we need to know about comparable titles is why we need comparable titles and why we need them is in a nutshell, because a comparable title is going to help sell your book and give a good idea of where it probably lands on a bookshelf in a bookstore or online and in the marketplace. This is what I mean when we come to the idea of as writers who want to publish and who want to build well-paid careers as writers, we need to really understand the business side of things and blend passion with business. Part of that is knowing your market and your readers and also being able to pitch your story so that when you pitch your story and using these comps, it gives a clear idea of who your target readers are, where it would land on a bookshelf, and how it would suggestively and hopefully perform, if not exceed those expectations, in the marketplace. The first step when using comparable titles, at least if you want to go traditional publishing, is that you need to hook a literary agent and get representation from a literary agent. And if you're listening to the podcast, you probably are familiar with other great writing podcasts like The Shit No One Tells You About Writing, where Carly Waters and Cece Lira, who are two PS literary agents, do an opening segment called Books with Hooks, and they review query letters. And at the end of that, they often talk a lot about comps and assessing if the comps are comps that would catch their attention. So agents do like to see comparable titles because it does exactly what we just went over. It gives them an idea of where your manuscript is going to land in the market and on a bookseller's bookshelf. I believe I share some ways to phrase comparable titles in an earlier podcast episode called Quick Query Tips and the focus is on paragraph one. Paragraph one is ideally, if you're following the preferred three paragraph format for query letters, would be included in the first paragraph. Again, it's not a hard and fast rule, but a lot of agents would like to see this early on because what does a comparable title do? It helps set the stage, give suggestions on what to expect in this novel, and that hopefully is going to attract the literary agent's attention and get them to read on in the query. I'll share some of those quickly again with you now. 
one of these, and you can find these on a blog from Carly on her website called 10 Ways to Personalize Your Query Letter to Agents. That is in carlywaters.com. She gives a lot of specific examples with this, but zeroing in on the comp ways to phrase things, you could say something like, I'm seeking representation for my novel. And you get the book title, a work of X amount of words for readers of comp one and comp two. And that's how you would do it. As a reminder, when you are pitching comparable titles or titles in general in a query letter, you should be using all caps and not italicizing the titles. This will help the title stand out and get the attention faster. Another way of phrasing this, and especially if you're using a client title as a comparable title, you might say something like, I am seeking representation for my genre, novel, book title here, complete at X amount of words. It is similar in theme to the client book title here. So notice that they pulled out the aspect. It is similar in theme to the client book title here. So what is this doing? It's identifying why the comparable title is similar to your book and explains that. If you had two comparable titles, you might do something like, it is similar in theme to client book title here and is multi-POV like this other comparable title that you would use. And I hope that this isn't being confusing because I know this, this is audio, but just giving you some ideas and flavors of how you could start to phrase your comparable titles in a query letter. And that's the focus for comparable titles in an agent. The only other thing that I'd like to say about when you are pitching comparable titles to an agent is I was told this over and over again, having a great comp is incredibly important, but also the comparable title has to be perfect for your manuscript. Not to put more pressure on you, but really you need to take serious consideration into your comparable titles and not just Google whatever is in your genre and use it just because I highly recommend reading the comparable title. If you're pitching it, you probably should know that story well, or at least know the aspect that you're pitching pretty well and be able to identify that in your comparable title quickly. Because if you don't pitch the ideal comparable title for your book and it's a bad comp, Having bad comps is worse than no comps. All that to say, you really, really need to try to find the best comparable titles if you want to have the most success in a query letter. That's to say that you're not going to have success if you don't have great comparable titles. But to have the most success in your query letter or something that's really going to make your query letter stand out, I would boldly say that if you have an ideal comparable title for that literary agent and why you're pitching it to them, because you'd always be pitching to a specific career literary agent for a reason that's ideal for your career vision, then you should go ahead and pitch that. But if you pitch something just because and that comp flops, that's going to be an immediate reason for them to reject the query letter. All that to say, no comps is better than bad comps. If you really can't find a comp, just don't include them, but ideally find those comps for you because that's going to say that you understand your book and where it falls in the market, which is just going to all around use the chances of you booking a literary agent's attention and hopefully satisfying those expectations when they read the manuscript so that you were offered representation. Once an agent has those comps, they're probably going to do even more research on what are the ideal comps for the book. And they're going to take their comparable titles and use them when they go to market and pitch to editors. So editors are also considering things when it comes to comparable titles like sales trajectories. And this is clarified in ways that are probably better articulated on that Penguin Random House article that I recommended you read earlier and will include in the show notes. The idea is that the editors are going to consider things like, and I'm going to just quote this verbatim from Andrea's article, will book X be the type of book to backlist forever, like book Y, 
or go strong out of the gate and then fade fast when the publicity dies down like Book of C. Marketing teams also find comps useful when putting together marketing plans for individual titles. And that's the end of the quote there. The idea here is that they know this market so well, and especially since editors like agents specialize in certain genres or ideal aspects that they like in stories, they are going to know the success of books in those genres or success in certain aspects really well. And that's going to help them understand when they go to the other members in the publishing team to say, hey, I want to offer a deal to this book because of these reasons. They need to take those comparable titles to defend their argument, and that will help the publisher make executive decisions on if they think that they want to purchase this book and also helps them start thinking ahead of the game on where they think they're going to place it. And if you have a publicist team, how they're probably going to market it. And the final reason why you need comparable titles is to package all of this together. It's going to help you pitch quickly. Remember that when you're in entertainment or you're in publishing, you need to pitch ideas quickly and you need to catch attention quickly. And if you have catchy comparable titles that do a good job at pitching what your manuscript is and also suggest books that have had strong sales performances, that is going to help paint the picture for who your target reader is and where your book is going to land in the market, which will make it easier for everyone who's considering representing, working with, or purchasing for sales to have that strong idea on what this book is and quickly get them to at least the decision of, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Not to be harsh, but yes, no, I don't know that book isn't for me. Or yes, this is exactly the type of book that I'm looking for. Now let's talk about the quality of the story and the writing and content of that book. Understanding what and why comparable titles is super important. It will help you with an understanding of something that you need when you move into the business side of publishing. But why does it matter if you know what a comp is and why they're important if you don't know how to find them? Let's move in that direction for the rest of this episode. I'm going to give you doubles of four, so two sets of four here, four smart tricks to help you find comparable titles. Then we're going to finish off with four essential requirements that you can use to establish if you found a strong comparable title or not. The first of these I love because it's like field research, and it is go talk to your librarian and your local booksellers. If there is anyone who can talk to you about books, it is your librarian who I think are the underdog heroes of all of publishing. And of course, your local bookstores and the booksellers at the bookstores. Their job is to help readers find books that make them love to read. So librarians, I've talked about this in another podcast, Fredbert Bachman, one of my favorite authors, he talked about recently about how valuable libraries are. And the beauty about a library is that you can go into a library while, while bookstores are awesome, of course, you can go into a library and you can open anything. And if you go into a bookstore, you feel a little bit more limited because you're thinking about if you have to choose between books, if you can restrain yourself, which book are you going to purchase? So libraries kind of take off that pressure. And I encourage you to move toward the library direction first and then go to your booksellers. Although, of course, both of them I'm recommending. And I recommend this as the first and always will be the first way of finding your comparable titles. Even if they don't actually recommend the exact title that you need, they're probably going to help you find the aisle at the very least, or the author at the very least of something that will probably work well as a comparable title. So please, first and foremost, go enjoy a morning, grab a coffee and go to your local library and go to your local bookstores and talk to a bookseller and explain to them the aspects that you think are unique in your story and hopefully they will help you find a comparable title that works well and mirrors those. The second tip 
on helping you find comparable titles is something that will take no more than walking to your computer and opening it and moving towards online tools and resources. If you didn't know, and yes, I'm going to say it, Amazon, of course, sells books. And Amazon actually, as a fun fact, was created to sell books. So you'll notice when you purchase a book on Amazon, you often you'll get like a very visually appealing list of other books that they recommend based on the one that you purchased. Looking at your purchase history, again, I'm talking about sales here. How do you sell books? The sales of other customers might have bought XYZ based on what you when you had. And that can send you down a wonderful lane of great titles that may work well as your comparable title. Now, not everyone has time to read every book that you're going to use as a comparable title, but I would recommend based on how you look at the jacket cover, if you're thinking about those aspects that you think are big hooks for your story and how they work in your story, look to that first. And then before you would ever use a comp in a query letter, I would recommend reading that book before you pitch it. Because remember, we need to make sure that it absolutely is the best comp for your story. Ideally, you love your comps, right? Other online tools that are great to use, you could look at Goodreads. Goodreads has a plethora of recommendations and resources for books. Barnes & Noble, I haven't used it myself, but I believe they have a recommendation tool based on purchase history, or at least a recommendation tool similar to Amazon. Amazon is probably, it's the one that I use the most and more prominent, but Barnes & Noble definitely have something. My, my One of my favorite newsletters that I signed up for earlier this year is BookBub. And BookBub does research for you based on Kindle sales. You start out with a questionnaire of genres that you like. They will send you daily emails about Kindle books or sometimes audiobooks on sale that day based on your wish list for that intake questionnaire that you had when you signed up for the email list. And they've helped me find a lot of titles that can maybe work as comparable titles as well. The last online resource that I think is really valuable is also suggested on that Jane Friedman article written by Star. She talks about using book browse. And I think book browse is a good way, again, to browse books. You don't necessarily have time today to go to a library or a bookstore. On top of all those online tools like Goodreads, Barnes & Noble, BookBub, Book Browse and Amazon, please don't forget your writing communities and your beta readers. Beta readers definitely love your genre and your writing community. We always need to be conscientious and supportive writing citizens and helping each other in our community. Building that community is essential to your health, well-being, and growth in the world of publishing, as well as establishing meaningful relationships that are going to help you always move forward, but also probably find even greater purpose and inspiration in your writing itself. Finding those strong writing community groups gives you a team of writers and friends all the time that you can turn to and say, hey, these are the aspects in my book that make it stand out. Do you have any recommendations for comps? And I bet you're going to find a great list of titles just there. You can go do some more research to confirm that that's going to be a great title. And if nothing else, maybe find your next favorite read. The third tip to finding comparable titles is to do even less than open up your computer and go look at your book shelf. And this is something also that Star talked about in her article and something that I have definitely used. If you are writing a certain genre, it's likely that you read a lot in that genre. Of course, we're going to be better writers if we read a variety of genres, but naturally and likely, we're going to have a heavy density of a certain genre on your bookshelves because if you're writing it, it's probably what you love. So take a look at your bookshelves and ask yourself, what are these? If you've used some of these books as on your bookshelves as inspiration, it's likely that there are aspects that you might be emulating in your stories 
Although, of course, writing the same but different. So look at your bookshelves and maybe your comparable title is waiting for you there. The fourth and last tip that I have for finding comparable titles is to research the bestseller list. And I'll explain why this is important in the next bit. Reaching the bestseller list and specifically over the last three years, because the bestsellers are going to suggest strong sales and might just be ways of helping you find quickly some aspects in your stories that would work well for your comps when you pitch them. I would also add that this is even better if you can narrow this down to your genre. For instance, if you were Googling bestsellers in hardcover nonfiction or bestsellers in historical fiction, if you can find lists like that, that's even better. So some bestseller lists, of course, New York Times bestseller lists. There's the USA Today bestsellers list, Washington Post bestseller list. I've seen some in, in Canada, like Toronto Star. Look for those bestseller lists and be thinking about how long they were on the bestseller list. And maybe even more importantly, if they went from hardcover to paperback, if they continue to sell with paperback after hardcover, then that's going to suggest probably some reputable sales as well. Now for our final section of this podcast episode, we're going to move into, you've researched and found the comparable titles that you want for your book. Maybe you found 10 comparable titles. I think that's a good amount. Now you need to select out of those two comparable titles that you're going to use for your query letter. Let's talk about four essential qualities of a comparable title that can determine if it is a strong comp or one that needs to go. This is heavily what I talk about in my article on DIY MFA, the must-knows when picking your book's comparable title. And this is also something that I was continually advised on when I worked as an editorial intern. The first of these requirements is, is the book recently published? And when I say recently published, I like to give a time span of three to five years, ideally three, but if you need to go to five, it's likely that an agent will consider something within five, but ideally you're looking for those three years. So in that last strategy on how to find comps that I just mentioned, I gave the time span of bestseller list of within the last three to five years, ideally three years for this exact reason. Having a title that's recent is important because everyone who's considering your book for sales needs to know if your book is going to sell in today's market. Publishing is a slow process. An average length of time that a book can take to publish from sales to the actual publishing date is 18 months. And that's after the agent sells to an editor. So likely there's a lot of time that your book has before it's going to be published. The more recent your comparable title is, the higher chance a comparable title actually works for the manuscript that you're pitching. This is also a good place to answer a frequently asked question that I get all the time. And that's if you can pitch something that is not a book, like a TV show, a movie, a podcast. I'm happy to say that yes, absolutely. If the aspects reflect what you're trying to spotlight in the comp is similar to your manuscript, absolutely. You may use a TV show, a film, or a podcast. However, what I would add to that as a quick caveat is that you don't want to just pitch a TV show, a film, a podcast, or whatever it is that you're using as comparisons to your manuscript. And the reason for that is because you are selling a book. So we want to have a cross comparison in these cases. You might pitch something as, and I think in the Allison Hunter episode that we have on the podcast from Trellis Literary Management, Allison does an amazing job at giving specific, clear advice on the strong comparable title and even uses some of her client books and what she uses comparable titles to pitch. So go listen to that episode to help you with that. Allison emphasizes 
how you can use TV shows, films, and things like that to help with comparable titles. And actually it's desirable because of how we digest our entertainment and our storytelling in today's world. There's also such great value in pairing that because you want two clumps, comparing that with a book of recent sales. So you might see something like, I forget the exact title that she pitched, but she said Ted Lasso me. And I think it was Casey McQuiston. It's something with Casey McQuiston. I don't know if it was red, white, and royal blue. I'm blanking. You have to go listen to that episode to see if you find out. But Ted Lasso meets this. And it was for a transgender story, say, in a football setting. It was a great combination. I don't remember the quote verbatim, but Allison's perspective, it was kind of the obvious comp she said for it. It just fit perfectly. And that book is happily going on to be published in 2023. So to emphasize again, yes, absolutely. If not even encouraged, share a comp that is a TV series or a film, but make sure that you compare it with a recent book as that's going to elevate your chances of pitching strong comps together. The second requirement is, was the book published by one of the big five publishers? This was one of the things I had to check myself on a lot when I was doing research for comparable titles as an editorial intern. And it's also really important because especially if you're a debut author, you want to sell that first book, at least at the time, which was 2018 now. Things might be changing now, especially since the Penguin Hand and Mouse trial. I'd have to ask literary agents to confirm this. But at that time, I was told that as a debut author, you want to sell to the big five because that's going to help set the stage for your publishing career. Now, in today's world, I also think that there are really strong indie publishers. And so much is done with Amazon books, but like Lake Union Publishing, I love Lake Union Publishing. That might be an option that you're looking for too. So when I say big five, you could also be thinking about those bigger indie publishers as well. But the idea here is that the big five, if you don't know what the big five are, they're considered the largest five publishers in the publishing industry. And in each of those publishing companies, there are tons of imprints. And if you don't know, an imprint of a publisher is a trade name under which it publishes a work. These big five publishing companies are single publishers that then have a multitude of imprints underneath their name. My favorite resource about imprints and understanding if what you're looking at is actually an imprint in the big five publisher is linked in that article on DIYMFA, but I will share it in the show notes, it's an infographic that shares all of the imprints underneath the houses. I don't know how early it's been updated, but it gives a really good idea of, if nothing else, how many imprints are actually in the big five publishing houses. The third requirement that you need to confirm if it's a strong comparable title is, and this shouldn't be a surprise, how it performed in sales. Did it perform well in sales? A strong comp isn't strong unless it did perform well in sales. Because again, remember the whole purpose of comparable titles, or at least a great purpose of it, is to help us understand and anticipate if it's going to sell well. If based on its comparable title, it will sell X amount of books. This is all guesses. Editors are going to guess how many books it's going to sell. And that's going to support them when they go to someone else in their publishing house and pitch why they want to purchase a certain book. So you have to remember comps suggest to that editor and publisher that a book can attract a target reader and perform well in those sales. Hence why if you pick a comparable title that doesn't prove that, it's going to stand as a bad comp. Bad comps are worse than no comps. 
Of course, you're probably not going to find a spreadsheet of a book title's exact dollar amount in sales, but you can discover if a book has done well by turning back to those bestseller lists, seeing if it's performed well with awards or options and anything news about the book's performance, looking at that. Which brings us into our fourth requirement because there's a trick here. You want to look for a comparable title that has strong sales, but you do not want a comparable title that is ubiquitous or is so phenomenal that it's not even something that we can even use as comparable title. Of course, we want you to sell that many books, but we have to be realistic and believable in what we are pitching. This means that we're not using Harry Potter with over 500 million books sold and also for other reasons, is in a middle grade that crosses over into young adults and is another reason why you shouldn't use, use it as a comparable title because what are you writing, middle grade or young adult, right? I know it can be tempting to try to use these mega sellers, but the reality is that when a book has no longer become a book like Harry Potter and has moved into franchise content, that does not give anyone you're trying to sell your book to a realistic perspective or tool that they can use to help them anticipate what your sales are going to be. From the bottom of my heart, I hope that you sell that many books. Every writer wants to sell as many books as they can because that means that they are reaching more readers. And one of the great purposes of writing your book is to reach more and more readers. But we have to ground ourselves and we have to be realistic and we want to look for those titles that have sold well, but not the titles that are such phenomenons that it's unrealistic or anticipated sales for our manuscript. Two other titles that I have been told from literary agents to not use as comparable titles are Eat, Pray, and Love by Emily Griffin and Gone Girl by Jillian Flynn. It's really interesting because I do want to just encourage you that if there are aspects of these bestsellers that you're writing, that is perfectly fine. Great writing is the same story told different. You take something that has done well, that has sold well, that has reached many people and you change something about it to make it yours. Eat, pray, love. How many stories do you think are out there about women who have a midlife crisis and go off on this grand journey to discover something about themselves? The Mahor Wild does that same thing, right? The idea here is that you can find a comparable title that is going to give more realistic expectations or give a more realistic approach to help us predict how many books your manuscript might sell. And out of those two, that latter one is going to be the preferable comp for you when you pitch your story. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of this podcast episode. We have learned what comparable titles are. We now hopefully understand why they are important. We've been suggested strategies on how to find comparable titles, and we have been given recommendations for checklist requirements that can determine if your comparable title is an ideal fit for your manuscript. I want to let you know comparable title work takes work. The reality of it is that it can be difficult to find the best comparable title for you. And I understand that pressure, especially when we're trying to find the perfect comparable title before pitching. If you find yourself in this hole of, oh, I can't research comparable titles anymore, take a moment to take a deep breath and spend some time reading some of the comparable titles that you found. As writers, we all love to immerse ourselves in story and bring ourselves back to the great gift of being able to connect to others and find ways to be more human. Also, the more likelihood we are learning how to read with a purpose. And if you can learn how to read with a purpose, you're going to grow your writing craft. 
I know the research process, the business side of publishing might sometimes not feel as glamorous as the actual writing, although of course the writing process has its moments. But all of this is to say that everything that you do to understand the writing process, your writing craft in the business side of publishing is moving you one step further to achieving your writing goals. And if you get stuck, reach out to me. At the end of every podcast, I offer and encourage you to reach out to me at abigailkperry at gmail.com. I am more than happy to answer your questions. And I thank you so much for being a part of my community. It is a great gift to be here today to be able to share these insights with you. I really do believe and hope that you continue to persevere through the querying process, the comparable title research, and the writing process itself. You never know how many readers you are going to touch with that story that you are sitting down and putting work into every day. Even bigger than that, you never know how deeply you're going to connect to those readers. So please, please don't give up on what you are doing right now. And one last thing before we go, I just want to say thank you again to everyone who has rated and reviewed Lit Match. This means so much to me. This helps signal to iTunes and other podcast servers and the internet in general that this podcast matters. When you take the time to rate and review the show, it not only boosts my enthusiasm for making great episodes to help writers, but also just helps to reach those readers who might need help with the writing process or the literary agent research process. So thank you again for taking the time to do that. You can always find my podcast on www.abigailkperry.com if you'd like to spread the word to other writers who might be looking for exactly this. Until next time, happy writing. I cannot wait to hear when you sign with a literary agent who is the best for your writing and business career and just as enthusiastically celebrate your book when it comes out.